Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Recorded live. And good evening, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Gridiron Talk. Coming at you live from National Gridiron Network. Uh, check us out on our website at ngscsport.com. Uh, you can also check us out on our Facebook page and Twitter handle as well. I'm your co-host, Simon. I got my co-host, CJ, on the line. Say hello. What's going on? Boy, this Sunday felt very weird. We were talking about it earlier. No football. <laughs> Zero football. It's yeah. sad. Can't believe the season's already over. Now we're getting into off season, and it's pretty much kind of a dead zone right yeah. now. Yeah, February. February is just a boring month for sports in general. I mean, NBA and and NHL are kind of like you know halfway through the season, so you still got a lot more to go. College basketball is kind of February's a slow month until March Madness comes up. Baseball, spring training soon. It's not really much happening now. Football ending. I mean, last year with the Olympics going on, February was okay, but this year, you know, no Olympics, no, you know, kind of February's like the worst month in my eyes for sports. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. I miss football already, man. Yeah, and we got to wait now. You'll wait for like what? Till August. Yeah, it's a long time. It is a yeah. long time. But we got, I mean, you got off season. You got free agents coming up. You know, trades. You got uh, the NFL draft coming up now. Um, you know, it's kind of the basics of it. So I know the NFL combine or the scouting combine is going to be here next week, I believe. Yeah, very good February. So. I mean, little by little, there's pieces that's going on. Um, I know last week we didn't really get to do much of a recap. We had a little bit of a technical difficulty. Um, Super Bowl recap, anything you wanted to kind of touch base on there? I'll never figure out why Seattle, on second down and goal from, like, what, the one, didn't run the ball when they had a timeout. That That just... I just don't understand that. It just that I till this day I still I know it's been almost what this Sunday will be two weeks uh, that this happened and you have Marshawn Lynch from the one even if you don't get it take a timeout and then throw it or at least if you're gonna throw the ball don't throw in the middle of the football field at least like have Russell Wilson roll out or something where he's dangerous. I mean I don't, I don't understand that call. I'll never forget. I don't I think Seattle will regret that call. They saying it they they don't regret making the call. Pete Carroll. Um, uh, Bavel, the offensive coordinator, they said they would do it all over again if they had to, but I don't know. I just think if that in that situation, you don't throw in the middle of the field in the end zone. I, I just felt, I've always been against that. Well, there was a conspiracy theory going on about that, and that Uh-oh. had to do with, with Pete Carroll wanting Russell Wilson to be the MVP. And obviously, yeah. obviously, if he would have thrown the touchdown he would have probably justified getting that, right? I mean, it was safe to say, fair to assume that he would have got the MVP if he would have made that touchdown. But, oh, yeah, easily. But, you know, before that, though, when Curse made, was it Curse that made that circus acrobatic catch? Yeah, that I'm was saying to myself, absurd. When he made that catch, I was at a Super Bowl party. I told everybody, they're going to win the Super Bowl. It's just fate's on their side. I mean, I mean, what happened in the Green Bay game, that miraculous turnaround, but it came back and beat Green Bay, and now that, I'm like, this team is just destined to repeat this year, and and I was proven wrong, you know. It's, and the whole Tom Brady, no one talks about Tom Brady on that last drive that New England scored. Wait, I, do, I believe he was like 9 of 9 on that drive to put New England up. No, Tom Brady did what Tom Brady does. And I'm a hater of Tom Brady, but, man, the guy can play. 
when the guy can play, you know, over what, it's like 320-some yards. Uh, I mean, four touchdowns, four touchdowns in a Super Bowl against the best defense in the in the league. Yeah, pretty that's pretty crazy. Uh, it is what it is. Uh, I I was I had no I had no emotion for the game because I hated both teams. Obviously, I didn't like any of the teams. So. The game lived up to his billing, though. It really did live up <laughs> to his billing. I mean, we, going in, uh, we we were hoping for a good football game because we agreed, uh, we concurred that this these were the two best teams going in to the Super Bowl, and it turned out to be a good game. I mean, it was definitely a, an excellent Super Bowl. I mean, I'm not a fan of any of the team, but I just thought it was a good game. And uh, the commercials were terrible, though, I thought. <laughs> The halftime show was pretty good, <laughs> but the ha- the commercials were terrible again. But the game itself was very slow starting game, that's for sure. But second half, it really picked up. And I'll tell you, when New England fell, out, fell behind 10 points, I'm saying to myself, they're not going to come back. And they shocked me. You know, and, and one of the unsung heroes on the Patriots is definitely Julian Edelman. I mean, he really is very underrated football player, kind of in the mold of a Wes Welker. But I think, honestly, he's got more talent and athletic ability than Welker. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Walker was one of those guys that he was just a clutch guy. He's just a clutch go-to guy. You know? So is Edelman. Edelman is. I mean, not, nothing against Edelman. Uh, I, I always, you know, I just think I always thought Welker was was just a better fit. I mean, they they're prototypical similar wideouts. Uh, I just felt it just seemed like Walker took a lot more. Um, he had a lot more defensive attention than Edelman received. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, you know, I think I think defenses had to to game plan against Walker more than they would have against Edelman. So I don't know. I mean, they're they're both they're both you know like I said, prototypical. I mean, they're very similar guys. You know, young and fast. I mean, little and fast. I mean, you know, quick route runners. You know, so. They have everything going for them in that aspect, but I mean, if, if Tom Brady were able to choose, I'm pretty sure he'd choose Walker. They could check down receivers. I mean, if, if the he right. was covered, Brady just has to dump it off to one of those guys when Walker was there and now Edelman, and they just they turn a five yard play. It's kind of like a Darren Sproles; they turn a five yard play into like a twenty twenty five yard play because of their speed. Right. But you know. It is what it is. What about what do you think about the Pete Carroll thing about how he wanted Russell Wilson to be MVP? Do you think that has any hype to it? Nah, I just think they they thought they ran that play. They said during the season a few times and it worked all the time. And they believed they could make that play work, especially picking on an undrafted, you know, free agent rookie. They believed they could make that quick slant, quick uh, over the middle, and it almost happened, but. You know, New England just – I thought it was over. I mean, when they get to the one-yard line, I'm saying to myself, there's no way Seattle's going to win this game. But kind of happy, though. I'm kind of happy to see Hawks lost. Uh, sick of hearing Richard Sherman. He's even talking trash during the Super Bowl. I mean, <laughs> it was good to see him get shut up. But, you know, he did uh, – you know, I, I had some respect for Richard Sherman because when the game was over, he did go up to Brady, shake his hand, congratulate him. So, yeah. you know. Tom Brady saying, you mad, bro? You should have action. Oh, that's funny. I love it. You know, not to get away from Seattle and, and uh, New England, but what about? Have you heard from Denver now? Denver welcome said he might retire, and now Denver. I don't know if you saw the story. I saw it yesterday. Even if Manning wants to come back, they might not take him back because he doesn't fit Gary Kubiak's type of offense. I mean, what do you think of that? I mean, what do they do at quarterback if if they don't want Manning back? I mean. They're obviously going to have to draft one or, or try to get a free agent one. Uh, I'm I'm pretty sure Manning's going to come back. I I just can't see just can't see Manning not coming back. I just can't. I mean, another thing, though, did you see the story? Denver was saying that they don't know if they would take him back at this point because of the I think you know, like, see, I, the under yeah, the end. yeah I saw that. I I think that's overrated. Me too. I, I think that's way overrated. There's no way 
There's no way they would not want, even Manning at like 80% of his health. I mean, I know he's turning, what, like 38, 39? Yeah. I mean, yeah, he is getting old, but the guy, I mean, look what he did this past year. I mean, what, like 4,700 yards? Yeah. You know, 40-some touchdowns. I mean, he can still play. I mean, Manning can still play, and, and there's no one that's as competitive as Peyton Manning is. I mean, on and off the field. That guy likes to win. That being said, obviously there is, you know, I mean, it's a huge cap. You know, obviously he's going to be a huge, you know, he's got like $19 million cap salary for this coming season. So that, that's huge, huge shit for the Denver, obviously. But the other side is who are they going to replace Manny? I mean, you yeah. have the young guy, Brock Osweiler, I know that. Uh, would you really lean on him to? No. <laughs> You know, I, I I can't see that happening. I just can't. And and they're saying Manning doesn't fit Gary Kubiak's offense, but Manning can control any kind of offense. You know, yeah. he, he he's that good. He's that good. He can manipulate the offense. It doesn't have to be down to the T of how Gary Kubiak wants it. And I'm sure Kubiak knows that too. Like you're not just going to take away your best weapon just because your your offense doesn't run that way. You know, I, I, no, I, I agree can't with see that. that. No, I, I think like you said, if he, that's just, I, I don't believe the whole talk. They don't want him back. I, I think that's overrated. But I tell you, if they lose Welker. Well, we know Welker had a down year last year. He's, you know, injuries have kind of concussions have kind of, you know, deteriorated his career. But they also might lose a uh, uh, Thomas, the tight end, Julius Thomas. I think they'll definitely lose Julius Thomas, though. Yeah, he might go to Oakland, I heard. Uh, I'm not sure where he's going to end up. They can't afford him either, and that's yeah. the thing. I could see if they let, if they didn't bring Manning back, I'm pretty sure they'd bring back Julius Thomas. But those are two big guys, especially with Demarius Thomas as well. I mean, they got to pay him a good fortune. Uh, you know, Emmanuel Sanders, you know, he's... How, how much of a breakout that he had this past season. Had a lot of weapons. Had a lot of weapons. And I think the running game will be even better for Peyton Manning, especially with Gary Kubiak there. Uh, you know, everyone knows about his whole zone blocking, you know, one-cut run offense. And I think that's going to be a perfect fit for C.J. Anderson if he gets that starting gig. So, which is good. It'll alleviate some of the pressure off Manning, like we saw kind of down the stretch. But I think that's a little bit too much of no Manning. You know what I mean? It seemed like yeah. he just disappeared and they just completely were leaning on a run game. No, so. they they just, not just Manning, the whole team regressed towards the end of the season. I knew that last game when Manning had the bad game against the Bengals, it was, I believe, a Monday night football game. They just they just regressed. It's like they never recovered. When they lost to New England, taught like, what was that, week 11, week 12? when they lost to the Patriots, that big game, they seem like after that, it just, it kind of spiraled out of control a little bit. They just lost, you know, they lost their grip on home field advantage. They they looked lost at the last couple, well, the, the, the second to the last game was the game they got blown up by Cincinnati, but then they played the Raiders the last game, and, you know, they won that game, but I don't really count that because the Raiders are so bad. But then the playoffs, they just, against Indy, just really at home, home you think they'd come out play better. Yeah, but after that, Manny got injured. I mean, after the season, he came out saying that he had, what, a torn quadriceps, something like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you knew he was in pain. You knew he was in pain when he's just throwing ducks, you know. I mean, the past couple of games, I mean, even the, you know, the playoff games were just pretty horrendous in terms of some of the throws that he was making, uh, which was very un-Payton-like. Uh, in the AFC, yeah. nothing against Denver. Even if Manning comes back, I still think New England is definitely the top team in the AFC going into next season. I really, even if they lose Revis, I still think they're the top team in the AFC going into the season. I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna agree. I mean, I'm gonna agree. I can't see it. I mean, nothing's gonna change their 
in this next coming year. I mean, even if they do lose Revis, yeah, it's a huge loss, obviously, but but Patriots aren't a team that was always dependent on one guy besides besides Brady, obviously. Yep. I mean, he's the only he's the only X factor that they've been consistently placing it on. But considering, I mean, Patriots just you know players roll through that organization. It's just they just make it work. You know, they they just know how to put the guys in place and, and get the best out of the players. It doesn't make, you know what I mean? They don't try to change their play. They just, they can do what's best that they to their ability. So. I'll never count out the Patriots again. Uh, that's for sure. After, I think um, me and a bunch of people, me and half of the country would say, after that Kansas City Chiefs game on Monday Night Football earlier this year, we would say that's the end of the Patriots. The, the error of dominance is, is over, and I'll never say that again as long as Bill Belichick and Tom Brady are there because hey, as long as he's head coach and, and Tom Brady's quarterback, I'll never underestimate New England again because they know when to turn it on. It's almost like they just you know, took all their critics and just said, basically, F you. That's <laughs> that game. Well, I'm excited, though. When the day comes that Tom Brady retires, I want to see how the Patriots are going to move on. Yeah, eventually they have to rebuild. <laughs> yeah, eventually. I mean, you know, are, will they have the ability to just bring up a you know seventh round quarterback or <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's it's very it's very rare. It's a diamond in the rough, you know. So, but it's just unbelievable so, in this salary cap era that this team from 2002, actually I should say the 2001 season to now, we're talking about. 13 NFL seasons, they've always been in some form of contention. I'm not saying they, you know, went to the Super Bowl all 13 years, but they were always in contention for 13 years in a row. That's that's pretty impressive in this salary cap era. Um, all right, so I have a guest chat on my uh, on our live network here, and his question is: Do you believe Justin Houston or Indomitian Sue? It's the best defensive free agent right now. Who would oh. you rather have? Me, personally? Yep. Sue. I mean, I know he's a headache. I know he's got a very, uh, he's kind of like a ticking time bomb on the field. You never know when he's going to do something stupid, but the guy's the best defensive tackle in the NFL, hands down. Um, maybe another defensive tackle is better than Sue. Nothing against Houston, who's a great linebacker, you know, excellent, you know, pro bowler for Kansas City, but Sue is a different breed. You can build your defense around Sue, especially having a defensive tackle that can penetrate fast. I mean, he reminds me, I mean, look at when Warren Sapp was dominating in the early 2000s. I mean, Sue has that same aura about him. And if I'm a, I was, I'm hoping the Bears would consider Sue because he, team's game plan for him personally. So but if he can keep his head on straight, which sometimes he doesn't tend to do, the sky's the limit. I mean he he's could be one of the greatest defensive tackles. I mean just look at his stats and all that. I mean just a guy that's big and fast is it's hard to find. And I would definitely spend money if I if I had if I was under the salary cap and I had money to spend, I would consider Sue any day of the week. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Sue's just a beast. I can't even – there's nothing to knock on Justin Houston. Like you said, he's, he's a great, great linebacker. You know, he can play inside and outside. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you're right. Sue is just he, – he's just a physical, physical beast. And he just – he can take over games on that defensive side. And like you said, you, he's a lot easier to build around because you have that cornerstone. You know, defensive tackle, D-end, I mean, that's – one of the big premier skill position players, you know, in the league. I mean, you have, like, the quarterback. You have, you know, a shutdown corner. Um, I mean, it's... Left tackle. It's it's an important position, especially with this whole pass-happy league that's going on. I mean, you've got to be able to get to the quarterback. And Sue does that with pretty... pretty easily when he's on his game. Uh, and he brings, you know, he brings intimidation and, and 
you know, he's ferocious. He 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 brings that he, intimidation. You he him that quarterbacks are scared of him. I mean, I'm I'd just be scared about his 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 character. That's that's <laughs> because, the only thing. If he's gonna step on your nuts. Well, I mean, the thing is, I mean, you know, we talked about this before. It's like his ninth fine that he had this year. I mean, it's his ninth, you know. I mean, we talked about this with also uh, Glenn Milburn when he was on the line. You know, it's, it's like, you know, first time's a mistake, you know, second time's, you know, a trend, and third time becomes a pattern. I mean, it's it's completely patternful now. It's, you know, you can almost predict next year that he's going to do something stupid at this point. And and I'm surprised at Roger Goodell that he hasn't taken a little bit more extreme punishment for Sue. Yeah. Considering of all of his, you know, on-field antics that he's pulling. Hey, so, what'd you make of Sue saying he wants to play for Seattle? I mean, I don't. They don't. Number one, they don't have the money to sign him. There's no way. I mean, they're worried about keeping their own players and keep it under the cap, but imagine Sue on that defense. Oh, my God. Oh, that'd, be, that'd, be, that'd be insane. That'd just be insane. It wouldn't even be fair. I mean, it wouldn't be fair. Well, I mean, Seattle's going to lose Maxwell, right, for sure. Yep. yep. Um, possibly Lynch, if they can't keep him. Possibly Lynch. I mean, I know, I think they're going to keep uh, Bobby Wagner. I think they're going to resign him as well. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, seeing Sue, I mean, you know, next to like Michael Bennett and them, and I mean, yeah, that'd just be scary. It just wouldn't even be fair. Like, how do you even get around that? I mean, they, that could be the best defense of all time if they get sued. Yeah, in which they won't. There's just no way. They have no way of keeping Wilson and Marshawn Lynch together, I don't think, at this moment. I mean, it's possible, but boy, they'll be really, really capped. Tight. You would have to take less money than what he what he's worth, that's for sure, if he really wants to play for Seattle. Well, Russell Wilson is going to become most likely the highest paid player in the NFL soon uh, with this contract that he's going to probably receive in the offseason. So, is he worth the highest paid player in the league? I don't know. That's, a, that's, a, that's mm-hmm. quite a debate. I think that's quite a debate. Got a great yeah. record, but also got a great defense. Uh, let's move good. on to your Tampa Bay Bucks. Okay. <laughs> Obviously, they released Josh McCown, which was kind of an interesting move, considering I mean, you know, they signed him to a four-year deal, but I was, uh, two years. Well, three years was it three? Yeah, it was two years, was ten four. million, but they're still. Uh, they're still swallowing uh, some of that money, I believe. Um, yeah, it was shocking. <laughs> I was kind of surprised. Well, it is surprising because, I mean, it's, he didn't get to play a full season. He was hurt, you know, really didn't get a good grasp of the offense. I mean, he struggled at times, although he looked good at times too. Um, but where did the Bucks go from here? Do they draft Mariota or Jameis Winston? I mean, is that why they released him? I mean, well, first thing with 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 McCown is he kind of he was, he was set up to fail. Number one, Jeff Tedford was supposed to be the offensive coordinator. He got sick, had heart issues. They had a guy calling plays Arroyo, Arroyo, whatever. He he basically never called plays a day in his life. The offensive line was the worst in the NFL. Anthony Collins was a bust at left tackle. McCown was every game he's getting hit. 12, 15 times, knocked down. He was 1-8 as a starter. I mean, but basically, with a bad offensive line, a first-year play caller, how can you even, I mean, you can't put all the blame on Josh McCown, even though he was awful this year. He didn't make a lot of bad throws in the red zone. Uh, a lot different than he was with the Bears in 2013, where he had 13 touchdowns and one interception when he got, was spelled in relief for Cutler. Um, but I think at this point, I heard with the number one pick, the Bucks are definitely going to take a quarterback. There's no doubt about it. But I heard they're leaning towards uh, Winston. Lovey Smith really likes Jameis Winston. And <clears throat> and a new offensive coordinator, they just um, signed Dirk Cotta, who they got from Atlanta, who's a very good offensive coordinator. I mean, look what he did with those offenses in Atlanta with, with Matt Ryan and Tony Gonzalez and <clears throat> Roddy White and Julio Jones. They say Winston is 
more set up for this offense than than uh, Mariota. So I don't know. I mean, Mariota. I mean, we'll see. But I think Winston is, and and then you got to think about it this way. On top of him being more ready for the system, the Bucks have had a tough time selling tickets for the past five years. Winston go, went to Florida State. There's a, I know living in Tampa, I've been here 13 years. There's a lot of FSU grads that live in this area. Picture the revenue he would generate if he was a starting quarterback here, especially playing for a school in Florida. He'd sell tickets on top of that, but I don't know. We'll see, but I, I guarantee you, I wanted that money. Winston will be the number one pick in this draft. Wow. See, I think it's just fool's gold when teams teams reach for a quarterback with the number one pick. I just with with all the failures, you know, the busts, the misses that you see in the first round. I mean, you don't see the Russell Wilsons, or I mean, Russell Wilson wasn't even close to being a first round or number one overall pick. I mean, you don't see the Andrew Luck, I guess. I mean, Andrew Luck is just a whole other game changer. But, man, it's tough to take. It's tough to invest. I just think it'd be so tough to invest. And considering what, Lovey Smith investing in a quarterback as, as his number one pick? I mean, <laughs> I mean, is that even is that even reasonable for for Lovey to do that? Yeah, I mean, they, they said, and he did the first time they've had the number one pick since 1987. The Bucks and say, and they took Vinny Testaverde that year in 1987. They have to go quarterback, especially with two, you know, quarterbacks that are ready to play in the NFL. You have to. They haven't had. They've never had a franchise quarterback. Tampa Bay never. Not since very Doug Williams in the late 70s. I mean, they never had like a like a franchise-type quarterback, but what surprised me most about releasing Josh McCown was it was just right after the season, Lovey said Josh McCown's going to be the quarterback going into next season, and if they draft the quarterback, they'll learn under him, and they were going to trade Glennon. But now, what do they do at this point? Do they keep Glennon and draft the quarterback? I mean, the McCown release was very shocking, especially that they owed him five more million. Hmm. It'll be interesting to see what the Bucks do, especially with that. First. I, I just, I, I think it's, it's crazy for Lovey to go quarterback with that first pick. I just can't see Lovey doing it. I think he should, he would be going for someone that's more solidified and not so much of a risk, especially in terms of where that franchise is. I mean, let's face it, they can't. No team can afford a bust, right? But when you're a terrible team and you have quite a few issues, especially at the quarterback, I mean, and the team in general, it's, you need to solidify things. You know what I mean? You, you need to get those premier position players in place and build around it. And I don't know. I, I don't know if Mariota or Jameis Winston is, is worth it. I mean... I have to say, you never know what's going to happen. Well, this is a draft pick the Tampa Bay Buccaneers cannot screw up. They haven't been relevant since they won the Super Bowl in, in 2002. And I know when I first <laughs> when I first moved here in 2002, you couldn't get a Bucks ticket. I mean, when they had Warren Sapp and John Lynch and Rondé Barber and Mike Allstott and, you know, right. all those guys that, I mean, Derek Brooks, they you couldn't get a Bucks ticket. Uh, it was It was so hard. There was a waiting list. And now, okay. 13 years later, I mean, you can get tickets. You can go buy them from a scalper and get good seats for the day of the game. So this team is, ever since they fired John Gruden in 2008, they haven't been relevant. So this is a pick they can't screw up. If they screw up this pick, they're going to lose. I mean, their fan base is already bad as it is right now. They they, they have to make, they have, they have to hit the lottery on this pick. There's no doubt about it. They can't screw this pick up. I agree with you. I mean, they can't. They can't. They don't have any room. They have no exactly. room for error at this point, especially for a struggling team. And, I mean, that's kind of like the Raiders, right? I mean, they had a high pick last year. They took Khalil Mack, you know, which I thought was, was a great pick. I mean, it's a foundational player, you know, 
I mean, he's going to be there for years. You know, they didn't go some crazy wide receiver. I mean, they didn't <laughs> take a shot on some silly quarterback. I mean, you know, they didn't just take a shot at a guy that ran up for, you know, they made for a 340 or something like Yeah, I mean, they did. And and I think that's something the Buccaneers need to take in consideration. I mean, I understand Jameis Winston could definitely, you know, fill the seats, but at what price? I mean, fill the seats for one year and then have him be a bust, and then what? Do you think he's going to be a bust, huh, Jameis Winston? I'm not saying he's going to be a bust. I don't see – I mean, I didn't, I didn't get to see a whole lot of his play, but I don't see him – I don't see a huge – I'm not seeing that aura about him like, yeah, this is the guy, you know, like like he's going to be going to be great. I just don't see I think that with Mariota. I don't think – I don't think he – I just don't see Same it. thing. I don't, I don't see that with Mariota either. I, I don't. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's like watching Andrew Luck. Yeah, I mean, the guy was intelligent too, and he had smart. Um, you know, it's just very far and deep you between in terms of a first round quarterback. Let me ask you this. Really pan out. With um Winston and and uh Mariota, do you think do you when do you think they're gonna be I mean Blake Bortles, we knew he started. We didn't get this he had an up and down season, but he's still young. You can't grade him after one year. Do you think these two guys have a greater upside than Bortles did going into the draft last year? I think they're similar. Yeah. I, I, I think they're similar. I, I think I, I thought Bortles had more upside because he he already seemed more NFL ready technically. I guess if that's I never understand what that exactly means because it's just college and, and, and pro. You know, it's so different. Um, but considering of, of how he ran the offense, it was more NFL pro style. I get that. But I, I, I mean, it's almost like the same upside that you see. You know, Blake Bortles, look at him. Yeah, up and down season, got hurt. Who knows what's going to happen? Could he still be a great quarterback? Yeah, he could. I mean, there's a chance he could. But did I see anything this year that would make me think that he, he could become an elite quarterback? No. No, absolutely not. I didn't see anything like that. But did you? Did you see anything? I mean, you're probably uh, closer, you know, you're closer down there. Yeah. I'm sure. His quarterback rating was the worst in the NFL this year among starting quarterbacks, even worse than Josh McCown's. So, eh, I think after this year, we'll get a better idea. It's hard to grade a guy after one year, but he definitely was it was an up-and-down season, but they kind of threw him into the fire. I mean, and they had started, to. What? Yeah, they yeah. had to. And he's, he's fortunate enough to he's he's playing in us for a very small market. I mean, Jacksonville's probably the smallest market in the NFL on every, every on every NFL team. All right, so let so, me ask you how how did the fan base do? When, you know, since they drafted Blake Bortles, because I remember when we talked about you know drafting Blake Bortles that you know it would fill the it would fill the seats, so to speak. Um, was, was there did you did you notice anything in terms of or I think, there... I mean, he played for UCF. Orlando to Jacksonville is a good five hours. But I think with Winston, if he went to the Bucks, I think it'd be more because Winston was a Heisman Trophy winner on top of a national champion. Bortles wasn't neither. You know what I'm saying? Right. And, and, and Winston played for FSU. Bortles played for UCF. FSU is just a, you know, some it's a mega college. Right. Just the history. <clears throat> so... I just think him going to the Bucks would be a bigger deal than Bortles getting drafted by Jacksonville just because of who he is. Just everybody, it seems like everybody seems to know who Jameis Winston is. I hate to say it, a lot of it because of his off-the-field issues. <laughs> but that's the other thing you got to worry about, too, if you're Tampa Bay. Is this guy going to stay out of trouble? I mean, look how many instances between the, the rape allegation, uh, him... Right stealing crab legs from a supermarket right. grocery store. Um, yeah, who does that? I mean, just, yeah, he, he's done a lot of who things this year. That? I mean, he's 
you you got to worry about that. I mean, this is going to be a kid now, 21 years old or whatever, 20 years old, getting $10 million. How's he going to be able to handle that, especially living in Tampa? I can tell you, I can live in, I lived in, been living in Tampa for 13 years, and the nightlife is pretty exciting. And you got a young guy who's prone to get in trouble with money, $10 million. I mean, is he going to be able to stay out of trouble, or are you going to need to get him a chaperone like Des Bryant? I mean, that's another thing you have to worry about. Well, time will tell. Good luck to the Bucks. See what they do. Uh, I don't know. Uh, it'll be really interesting, though, to see Lovey go after a quarterback as his number one overall pick. I just think that's a whole nother conundrum, I think. And with Lovey Smith, Lovey's got to get it right this year. Oh, I'm sure he does. I mean, a lot of things went bad for him. A lot of things went bad for him past year, so. No, I I agree with that. He he can't go 2-14 and again this year. I mean, one more of those, he could be out of a job. (laughs) Well, you know, Coaches don't last long in this league. Obviously, we know that. Talked about all the coaching carousels that's gone through. But and um, and and one touch on one more thing on this with McCown, that was all Lovey that brought in McCown, and now that McCown got released after one year, that's that's a red flag on on Lovey's coaching resume here. He's he wanted McCown really bad, and now with this strike against him. I mean, granted, they signed him to a four-year contract, but I guarantee you, like I said, if they if they have another bad year, he he could be gone because Tampa Bay, as you know, then then they're not hesitant to fire. They fired Greg Schiano pretty quick. They fired Raheem Morris only after his second or third year, and they fired John Gruden after a nine and seven season. So, yeah, well, it's the Bucks. We got a lot of issues. I mean, no more of the golden days, you know, when they won the Super Bowl and all that. Are you telling me the Tampa Bay fans didn't come and see, didn't want to come and see, watch Brad Johnson, Jeff Garcia? You're telling me they didn't fill the seats? What? When, <laughs> when I first moved there, I think they were filling the seats to see uh, that defense. <laughs> they, the uh, defense was what filled, and, and Mike Allstock. People love Bible here. <laughs> People love Mike Allstott, but they never had a quarterback. I mean, this is a franchise. You look at it. They, they, the last probably franchise quarterback they had was Doug Williams in the late seventies. Oh, um, it's funny. Man. It's a place where quarterbacks leave to become better. Look at Steve Young left there, became a Hall of Famer. Trent Dilfer left there, became a Super Bowl champion. Um, Doug Williams Bye. left there, became a Super Bowl champion. It's basically the stop you make before you become better. <laughs> Well, it is what it is. All right, well, since it's the offseason, I'm going to go through the team-by-team for the NFC. I'm going to name a team, and you tell me what their biggest need is or what you think their biggest offseason move will be or issue or whatever it is. All right? So let's Mm -hmm. start with the NFC East. Dallas Cowboys, obviously they came up short in the NFC Championship game there. Um, what did Dallas need to do this offseason? What is Make their primary goal? I wouldn't want to be the decision maker. I wouldn't want to be Jerry Jones because they're going to have to choose between Des Bryant and, and, Mar- and Murray. <laughs> I mean, you have to choose one of them. We talked about this. I mean, we talked about Des Bryant makes more sense, but that's the biggest challenge this team is going to face this offseason. What, uh, what do you think Dallas has to do to overcome the, the next hump? I mean, you know, if they got a playoff win this year, they you know came a game shy of the NFC game. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, you want to call it a, Technical loss because of the ref, or you know, whatever you want to call it. Well, what did they have to do to overcome that hump? 
Oof. To me, uh, well, number one, Tony Romo's going to stay healthy. I mean, he's been hurt on and off. I don't know I if agree. he was fully healthy towards the end. That's one big thing. I agree. He's no. definitely got to stay healthy. Number he's two is going to be. Yeah. I mean, look at He's what? He's going to be 35, I believe, yeah. this season. The, the window's closed. And, and, he, and he, you know, not, not against nothing against Romo. He had a heck of a year last year. He put up some big numbers for not for being, you know, hurt. But they're going to have to overcome Murray because I, I honestly think they're going to lose him. Uh, they're going to choose Des Bryant. They're definitely going to keep Des Bryant over uh, Murray. And then they're going to make a decision. Do you think Joseph Randall, who just got in trouble again, is he a number one back or do you go after a back in free agency? But they're going to definitely lose Murray, I think, the way it looks. And they're going to have to overcome that because he meant so much to that running game. And, and the other thing, like we said, is Romo staying healthy. But defensively, they look good. I mean, they got Marinelli coming back as defensive coordinator. Uh, defensively, I, I liked it. I like what they did last year. So that's the two things I think is overcoming the running game if they lose Murray and, and hopefully keeping Romo healthy for because you figure his window's going to be closing in a few years. I agree. I agree. Romo's getting hurt. He's getting old and he's getting injured, you know. And, you know, in the next couple of years, I mean, depending on Romo's health, they're going to have to look for a quarterback. They really are. Uh, Romo's done a pretty good job there for that franchise so far. All right. How about, uh, how about Washington Redskins and the shambles Ooh. that they went through this year? Where do you even start? <laughs> yeah, Number one, RG3, the dispute. Right. Yeah, him and Gruden, something's got to be done. I mean, obviously, it looks like they both are going to be coming back. They got to bury the hatchet. They can't have that season like they did last year where they're fighting, they're going back and forth in the media. Um, they got to somehow bury the hatchet, make this work, this relationship, or it's going to be another 4 and 12, 5 and 11 season. They got to make a decision if RG3 is the franchise quarterback. That's the first thing. Number two, they're going to need a weapon opposite to Sean Jackson. I, I, I don't like a lot of their weapons at wide receiver. Um, I, I like Alvin Morris at running back, but I just think they lack weapons at wide receiver. Um, I don't think Garcon is the same receiver he once was. I think his career is going down a little bit. He's not the same player he was in Indy. And defensively, I just think they have a lot of issues too. I mean, there's a reason why they go and they they fired Hazlitt. Um, defensively, I just I don't agree with a lot of. I mean, the secondary is bad. I never thought See, it was for me. Right. For me, the Redskins, their biggest problem is the head coach. It is Gruden. He's overmatched. He's completely overmatched for this team. I mean, half of the players don't even look like they respect Gruden. And then you got Gruden coming out, you know, just completely attacking your franchise quarterback. I mean, literally and critically picking out points on how he failed, uh, which is just terrible for the team in general, as well as your personal relationship with the guy that you got to have under center, you know, for every game. I mean, I think that's where the biggest problem lies because you got RG3, who's just a media you know, just media diva, doesn't know how to handle all the spotlights. I mean, you got Deshaun Jackson, who's a little bit of a hothead on and off the yep. field, you know, especially on the sidelines. I mean, just those two alone and the way you handle this whole team, there's no team chemistry. And it starts with you. Because he seems like, seems like he has no authority on this team. You know, he's almost more like a player than the head coach. Yeah, I agree. In terms with that. of the way he's at, in terms of the way Garcon, he acts. Yeah. Do you think Garcon's I mean, at the end of his career? Say that again. You think Garcon is gonna? I think Garcon's a great player. I just don't think they utilized him. I mean, yeah. I don't understand. You have Garcon, who what? I mean, the year before he led the league in receptions. Not, you know. And he was relatively healthy all season this year, so 
I don't understand why he oftentimes just disappeared in the game plan, which is crazy to me. You have Deshaun Jackson and Pierre Garcon who can, who are guys that can stretch the field just about as good as any of the other receivers in the league. I do like Jordan Reed on their team, the tight end. You know? he's, he's, a, he's a good young tight end. He's a good tight end. He needs to stay healthy, though. Yeah. And well, the problem is, I mean, I know this because I had Jordan Reed on my fantasy football team, but RG3 never looked his way, which was crazy. I don't understand. He, he, he's, a, he's, a, he's a great receiving tight end that he just never utilized. I don't understand that. And usually, a, a, you know, a quarterback needs that check-down guy that he can always rely on, which I thought Jordan Reed did a good job of when he was on the field. But I don't know. They, he just seems to underutilize him. Uh, always wanting to force-feeding, you know, the big play with Deshaun Jackson and all that. and That's a nightmare. You know, Alfred Morris, yeah, he's a good running back, but not a game-breaker. But I, I still think it comes down to John Gruden. I think he's he's, a, he's done a terrible job with this franchise, I mean, literally. There's, there's nothing set in stone in terms of where this franchise is going. It's just and one media. Oh, the defense is just in shambles. I mean, it's, it's pathetic. Defense is pathetic. They have no secondary. They can't, you know, they have no pass rusher. I mean, they had one of the lowest sacks totals, I think, in the league. Except for Kurrigan's good. But there was just nothing there. There was nothing there. Like, there's no continuity between offense and defense and special teams as a whole team. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, watching them play just seemed like, okay, offense, you go out there and try to score. Defense, go out there and try to stop. But it's not like they were, you know... I mean, watching, like, Seattle Seahawks, like, their defense played lights out for Russell Wilson because they completely believed in him. You know what I mean? Like, you, you yeah. saw that. You see that on a game-to-game basis. Like, when, when your guys come out and literally, you know, get your back when whatever social media or Twitter or media spotlight, I mean, that that's the team you want to be on. Like, everyone has each other's backs, but I don't see that from Washington. It's it's all about me and I on that team. Like, and unless they have a huge offseason or a great draft, I still I think going into this season, next season, they're still the worst team in the NFC East. Oh, hands down. Hands down. Hands down, they're, they're probably one of the worst teams in, in the NFC. Yeah. I mean, literally, the way that, in terms of, I mean, maybe not record-wise, but, yeah, I mean, you, nobody can compete with how bad Tampa Bay was. I mean, let's just put that out there. Um, well, you can't. St. Louis didn't have a great record. I mean, they were 6-10, and 10, but they played hard. You know, they played with heart. You know, Jeff Fisher got that team at least playing together and not wanting and to give up. they got a good up. defense. Right. And... I mean, seriously, I mean, they're one of the worst teams in the NFC. I can't think of anyone else, really, except Tampa Bay. And, you know, it's funny, in Tampa Bay beat Washington this year. That's one of their two wins. <laughs> <laughs> that is ironic. Right? But, yeah, I I think it starts with Gruden, and he, I thought it, you know, I told you this from the start, I thought it was a terrible, terrible coaching job for him. I thought he was going to be in a lot of trouble, and then he was. We'll see what happens. Um, let's go to Philadelphia Eagles. What do they need to do? I mean, they yeah, they collapsed. Out, yeah, they started out hot, but what is what is Chip Kelly going to do? Does he keep Nick Foles as his starting quarterback? I guess that's the first question. Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't seem like he's he he's seriously. Make and keeping him as a franchise quarterback, we're hearing his name being dangled around in trades, using him as trade bait. Right. That's the first thing they have to figure out is if he's the franchise quarterback, is Nick Foles, or if not, do they try to make a trade, try to get Mariota, who played for Chip Kelly? Right. Um, do they try to, you, you know, make, pull that trade you off? You think the other Chip Kelly is, will do that? Yeah, I already has. You think I he would do somewhere. that? Trade up it's, to it's get gonna be hard. You're going to have to give up a lot, though. You're yeah. going to have to give up a lot. You have to give up Nick Bowles, probably multiple draft picks, 
uh, you have to give up a lot. I don't think Philly can do that. So to me, the two biggest things for Philly is is figuring out if Foles is going to be a franchise quarterback. And number two, they need more weapons on offense. I'm sorry, Riley Cooper is a good receiver. He's not a true number one. Uh, I just, you know, all the, the wide receivers, I'm just not, I'm not sold on. They don't have a true number one receiver. That scared, that would scare me if I'm in defense. I wouldn't be scared. Of the I don't think. In Philadelphia. Yeah, but see, I don't think, I don't think they need a true elite number one. Not the way Chip Kelly runs that offense. I mean, Jeremy Macklin had a hell of a season. Yeah, you know, he did play good. Year. You know, would, I mean, would you think he's a true number one now? I'm not considering him a, an elite number one, no. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I think the way that offense runs, it's not like they need a guy like that. They pretty much spread the ball around everywhere. Um, you know, I, I don't think the number, I don't think wideout is a huge issue, uh, considering if they keep Jerry Maplin there, and then they got the young rookie, uh, Jordan Matthews there, you know, Zach Ertz, they still have a young tight end. They got the weapons in play. I think they need to beef up that offensive line because Bashan McCoy just disappeared this year. Uh, he just wasn't the same guy. And I don't know if that's partially due to Darren Sproles being on the field, but it seemed like every time I watched the Philly game that Darren Sproles was outplaying Bashan McCoy on probably a third yeah. of the amount of touches that he got. You know? No, I said it. So, Darren Sproles is one of the most underrated players in the NFL. But I don't know. Now, it'll be interesting to see if, if Chip Kelly really moves up and, and trades for Mariota. That'll be interesting if that actually happens. Just to see those two reunite. I mean, how happy would Chip Kelly be? Oh, he love it. But I just think to get that high to move up that yeah. much, you're gonna have yeah. to give up a lot. That is so big, Philly. If you look at it this way, you're gonna have to give up Foles, probably your number your number one pick. Probably and maybe a number next, one the following year. I mean, right. who knows? You can't yep. do that. That you, it's a risk. Yeah. I mean, he could risk it if he truly believes that he can make it work. You know, I don't see anything bad happening from it. Do you think that Foles is a franchise quarterback? No, I don't. I think he did. He, he played pretty well. I think he was. You know, it's not like he was god awful. I mean, they went and they went what? Like they were six and six and two or something like that. I mean, when Nick Foles went to home, I mean, they went. You know, they started off hot. You know, Nick Foles looked good too. But is he a true elite quarterback franchise? I I don't know. I don't think so. Obviously, Mark is not the answer. You know, I was interested in Nick Foles. I was reading the Rams if they Eagles move them. The Rams will be interesting. They need a quarterback, definitely. Oh yeah, Bradford. They need to cut ties with him. He's injured every year. Yeah, Bradford. I mean, they had a carousel of quarterbacks this past season too. You know, I mean, they brought Sean Hill back. Goodness, that guy's been a veteran for this. You know. For a long, long time. But oh, well, it's be interesting. How about let's talk about the Giants? What do they got to do to get back into the playoff contention? Eli Manning's got to decide if he wants to be the quarterback he was when he was winning Super Bowls or the quarterback he is now. Because I don't know if it's the offense changing. Ever since Kelvin Gilbride retired, Eli Manning is not the same quarterback. I mean, you've seen it the last two years. Um. But I'm curious to see, too, how Beckham does in his second year. Uh, that guy's a freak. Yeah. What, and if and the one big loss for the Giants, too, is Victor Cruz being hurt. I mean, he got hurt towards the middle of the season. I think a healthy Cruz with Beckham right there, Eli's got weapons. But it, it's really, this is going to depend on how Eli Manning is. Because he, he's all he has, over the place. Yeah, it's not, and then defensively they're going to take a hit because I heard Pierre Paul is going to leave this year um, in free agency, and that will be a big loss to that pass rush. Uh, so I'm curious to see that, but but it all starts with the quarterback, and it 
like you said, Eli Manning has been all over the place, and he hasn't really been the same quarterback since they won the Super Bowl three, four years ago. Well, he was a little erratic even those times when he won the Super Bowl. He just played hot down the stretch, and that's that's what they need him to do on a more consistent basis, really. I mean, you have pretty darn good weapons there. You know, I mean, Victor Cruz was, he's no slouch. I mean, until he got injured. And then you got this phenomenal rookie freak that catches everything that comes his way. With I mean, he literally needs like three fingers just to catch a ball. So then you got Larry Donald, you know, tight end there. He played substantially well. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree with this. Partially, it's going to be a, a lot on Eli Manning here. Well, Tom Coughlin, I think he's getting well. He's got to be getting pretty frustrated with that team. Yeah, but you got to admit, since since Kevin Gilbride retired as offensive coordinator, Eli hasn't been. You know, he's he's regressed. Yeah, and and we and I thought he would have, I thought he would have done better, especially with what's his name, uh, well, Ben McAdoo. No, Ben. Well, he's with McAdoo. Always McAdoo was there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yep. Uh, you know, when he joined this past year, I thought he was going to help turn Eli around considering the things that he's done with Aaron Rodgers, you know, in Green Bay. So I thought the, I thought it could have been a good fit considering the, the amount of weapons that they had too. But obviously that didn't pan out. But, I mean, Eli's, Eli's still got a little bit more time, you know. Can't imagine what Satan thinks considering his little younger brother who got half his skill set has more Super Bowl rings than he does. And how do you Boy. beat the twice? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't understand that either. I just don't. I don't know. I mean, that defense was stout, though, when he yeah. played. It was stout. I mean, do you think they'll, just... speak of defense, though, do you think if they lose Pierre Paul, that will be a loss? Because I heard he's leaving. Yep, yep. He's a he's a good he's a good D end, you know. It's tough to play, so it's, I mean you need two of them, technically. So it'll be interesting. Uh, but you know what? That will come to the top of the hour. Uh, come back next week. We're gonna break down the NFC North. Nice and from the black and blue division. <laughs> that's right. And uh, from here on out, we'll just break down every division every week uh, during this off-season aspect. And we'll get into other stuff, too. I mean, you know, we'll talk about the Combine and NFL, you know, Scout Days and things like that. So I want to thank everyone for tuning in. Listen to the Gridiron Talk coming at you live from National Gridiron Network. Um, check us out on our website at ngscsports.com. Uh, definitely check out the website because there's a lot of other good shows on there as well, a lot of good articles that you can read up on, uh, you know, a, a lot of little tidbits uh, if you ever get bored during this NFL offseason. So check out the website. Got our Facebook page and Twitter handle as well. Um, your co-host, Simon. CJ, that's words for the night, buddy. Uh, just missing football already. I mean, it's going to be a long, long wait. You know, you see other sports. Baseball ends, and it seems like it just restarts right away. Basketball, hockey, football seems like we're sitting here for an eternity for the season to start. So I'm going to be very sad for a while. You've been watching Tampa Bay Lightning games at all? I was at the game last Saturday. They lost tonight. But, um, yeah, that's one thing. They're looking good. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Do you guys wear shorts when you go to the game? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah? It's so weird to me. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's so weird. They asked one of the Lightning players, I forgot who it was. Um, oh, I can't think of who it was. Somebody did a sign this year. Oh, Boyle, they got from the Rangers. And they asked him, what's the difference between playing in New York for the Rangers and playing in Tampa? He said, it's the first time in my life I ever get to wear sandals and shorts to a game, you know, when I come to the <laughs> for a game. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's, that's so weird to me. Like, anytime, I mean, anytime I'm so used to just, you know, hockey, cold weather, you know, especially like up here in Minnesota, you know, we're bundled up when we go to the game just because, you know, it's anywhere from freezing, you know, below zero sometimes. So In Florida, you see people with tank tops at lightning games. <laughs> it's just so weird to me. 
like <laughs> watching people at a hockey game and they're wearing, you know, flip flops and tank tops. I mean, that just be crazy. I tell you, but people tell us we we live the summers here are brutal with the heat, which they are. But right now, today was February twelfth, and I had shorts on earlier today. So, yeah. <laughs> Lucky you, buddy. But on that note, uh, say good night and uh, tune in next week. All right. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.